Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for your prayers over me over the last few weeks as I've been traveling again to the state which shall not be named. I have returned. And I think uh, I may have shocked a few people by showing up over the weekend last weekend. I was supposed to be there for two whole weeks, but I was allowed to come back to this great state of Arizona so that I could take my daughter to work. <laughs> Our company has for a very long time not allowed parents to bring their kids to that great celebration of work and bringing our kids to our offices. And this year was the first year they started that back up after a couple of years. And it was awesome to have my daughter come with me to work and see what I do, to give her an experience of my office and what happens you know, as I leave her for you know, eight, nine, 10 hours sometimes and disappear at this place that I work at, spend a lot of my time there. And it was interesting, though, the perspective that she got. Because our office, our company, had a lot of activities that our kids participated in while we were there. We went on scavenger hunts. <laughs> we went and experienced all kinds of crafts and engineering activities. And it was just, I wish every day at my job was like that. <laughs> We gave, we gave our kids a really terrible picture of what office life is like. And if we had given her the real experience, I'm sure this <laughs> would have been more like what she was expected to do. If I sat her in front of a computer and just forced her to go through meaningless TPM reports and all sorts of Zoom meetings and just the mind-numbing activities sometimes that our jobs require of us, I'm sure our kids would not appreciate going there someday. And that is sort of the nature, though, of raising kids, is that at some point, you know, we shelter them a lot from things that they would experience. We don't, I'll get that picture off the screen, sorry. We don't ask our kids to go off and work in the factory when they're five years old. We actually have laws against that, by the way. We don't ask our kids to do things that would just be too challenging for them. We let kids be kids for as absolutely long as possible. And this is sort of maybe the continuation of my training wheel series that I was doing. I had somebody ask me, what's next in that series? After that series was all over, it was a discussion about parenting. And when you kind of get to the end of that, I was sort of scratching my head. What is next? What's the next step? As parents, we we give our kids a stable foundation, we shepherd and shape them while they're in, their, in our homes, and then we prepare to send them out into the world. Well, what is next? Because at some point, our kids go from this sheltered environment, I did this, I, maybe you did this. We go from this sheltered environment in which our parents are like taking us kind of away from the, the difficulties of the world, they're keeping us safe and, and doing a lot for us, and then at some point, we start growing. We start getting more responsibilities. Maybe we get a job. At some point, we move out. And maybe we go start our own families. Maybe we go experience what life is like outside of our parents' home. We leave our father and mother, and we cling to our wife or our husband. We create a family, and then we continue on. Where does that relationship, though, with our parents go? Because we don't just leave the home 
and just leave the home and never think about our parents and, and their lives and who they are and what they've done for us. We, we, never, we would never just abandon them. But here's the thing, I think so often we focus on, and maybe we teach and we talk about sending our kids out, and then that's the end of the story, period, end of story. Our kids go out, never to be heard from again. Well, well we all know that that's not the case. But do we talk about that very often? Do we discuss the mechanics of that very often? Because I will tell you that I have not thought about a lot of the things that I'm experiencing right now in my own personal life. I have not thought about those until now. And I wonder why that is. I wonder why it is that I have not thought very much about growing older and turning around to help my parents. And I know all of us here, and by the way, this is one of these subjects where once you actually go through it, once you start going through that, that moment in your life where you do have to start turning around and reaching back and helping your parents, you have to start putting on your business pants and getting out there and taking care of, of them, once you start doing that, people come out of the woodworks to tell you about their experiences, which is awesome. But why is it that I have to wait until that moment for people to start coming out and talking about it? And so I want to talk about it this morning, because I'm not sure I've heard a lesson about this in a very long time, if ever. And the lesson really is about how we honor our father and mother not only while we're in the house, but far, far beyond that. Of course, in the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 12, God, through Moses, says, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother. What does it mean to honor your father and mother? How long do I have to honor my father and mother? Do I honor my father and mother while I live in their house? Absolutely. Am I expected to do something beyond that time in which I live in my parents' house? Absolutely. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But this word honor in the Hebrew and the Greek, Hebrew, the word is kabod, and in the Greek, the word is timau. It, over in places like Matthew chapter 15, as Jesus would point back to this great commandment with a promise, this honor your father and mother commandment, that Greek word there is timau. Both of these words just really highlight how important someone is, how valuable they are, how much they are worth to you. You honor someone who you view as heavy weight. He's not heavy, he's my brother. <laughs> this is kind of the, 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 you view them in a way that they, they're worth a lot. On the scale, on the balance of your life, they tip the scale. You value them, you respect them, you give them recognition. And in fact, in the Greek, this word is really an action word. This is a word directly connected with action. It is impossible, as we're going to see in this lesson, it is impossible for you to honor someone without doing something about it. And that's the point. That's what I want to focus on today, is this word honor, and really how the tables will turn for you someday. If you are blessed with a relationship with your parents, if you are blessed to live long enough, you may very well experience a time in which the tables turn, in which your parents are doing everything for you when you grow up, when you're in that formative stage. And then at some point, it's like a boomerang. You come back home, or you come back to them, and you begin helping them in the way that they helped you. 
in the way that they supported you. You know, we need, as, as we think about in this lesson, we need a whole lot of help when we're little kids, right? We, we, we have to be carried around, we have to be provided for and everything. And eventually, at some point, we go out on our own, and lest we think that we're just on our own forever and we are our, the master of our own destiny forever, think again. Because at some point, we will be required to turn around and repay the favor of our parents' care and blessing over us. The tables will turn for many of us, and for many of you, they already have. And so let's talk about this a little bit more. The, the big idea here in this lesson, and if you really want to just sit and read 1 Timothy chapter 5, we'll study from there a little bit, Matthew chapter 15, a lot of these passages tell us that godly children and grandchildren, by the way, this isn't just a child's responsibility, but godly children and grandchildren show honor by taking care of their aging parents. This is a responsibility that we as believers have to take care of those who have taken care of us. And again, I don't know that we talk about this super often, but let's, let's discuss some of the things, some of the reasons why we do this. What is our responsibility as children and grandchildren toward our parents? And I'm, I'm not gonna be able to speak with a ton of life experience here, for myself personally, but I know I've heard from so many of you and your experiences with this, this activity, this honoring our parents. And I can see all throughout the Bible that one of the first things we need to do as godly children and grandchildren is we need to prioritize our parents' well-being. We need to put them as heavy weight in our lives. And that, all, that goes directly to that word honor, kabod, tamau. That word is really about prioritizing someone, respecting them, holding them up. We prioritize someone's well-being above even our own. And it, it is one of the most touching passages in John chapter 19, really just thinking about how Jesus, in the very last moments of his life, as he hung on the cross, what did he do for his own mother? How much importance, how much priority did he place on taking care of his mother? Well, one of the very last things he says in John chapter 19 as he hung there on the cross was he looked at his mom and he looked at John. And he said, behold your mother. Be woman, behold your son. And from that moment, the disciple took her to his own home. Of all the things that Jesus was, was focused on in that moment, the pain and the agony of his own death, he still, to the very end, was thinking about taking care of his mom. Now, Jesus knew he was going to raise again from the dead. He knew that he was going to be around for 40 more days at the very least after his resurrection. We know that he was going to be around for a while. Why did he choose this moment? Because of all the things he was concerned about, she was top of mind. And we need to prioritize the well-being of our parents in the same way. No matter what we're going through, no matter where we go in our lives, no matter where our families take us, we need to remember that our parents need us. They may need us, and we need to be there, thoughtful of them, holding them up, in our minds, in our hearts, and caring about them, taking care of them. 
1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. And this is really one of the hardest things to think about from the standpoint of, of rejecting our parents and, and ignoring our parents and not caring about our parents at some point. As Paul tells Timothy, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You look at the list of things in the Bible that would qualify you as an unbeliever or even worse than an unbeliever. And one of those things Paul highlights here is not taking care of your parents, not taking care of people in your own family who need you. And as we're going to see from this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he's talking to grandparents or grandchildren, excuse me, and children here. He's talking to people in your own household. You take care of those people. You prioritize them. And of course we need to square this with Jesus' great words about loving father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, as Jesus would lay the gauntlet down and say, I take first billing. God takes first billing, and everything else falls under that. But once we fall under the direction, the rule the guidance of our Lord Jesus, we turn around and we lift up our parents as a priority. Otherwise, as Paul says, we're worse than an unbeliever. So we need to hold them up. This needs to be something we're always thinking about is how can I honor my parents? How can I honor my grandparents by taking care of them and doing the things that I need to do? Are we tracking where we're going here in this lesson? You may not be the kind of, you may not be in a situation where this applies to you. And I just want to fully own up right off the bat here in this lesson to say that everyone's home life is different. Everyone's family life is different. I get that. You may come from a, a family like mine where your, your mother and father were faithful and it is just so easy to turn around and help. You may come from a home life in which this command is way harder than I've ever had to experience. Maybe you have a strained relationship with your parents. Maybe you have a strained relationship with your grandparents. Maybe honoring them is going to be more difficult for you. But I don't think we get to throw the baby out with the bathwater if we go through a difficult experience with our parents. I think, as we're going to see here, we still have a responsibility to do our part and to support and help and prioritize their well-being regardless of their situation and our situation. So, Moving forward here, I think it's important for us to plan to help. We prioritize our parents. We hold them up as being so important in our lives. But we also need to plan. And this is where, like, I turn to this, this row here. Like, okay, nobody's married here yet. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm only looking at that row, not you, Gary. Sorry. <laughs> so our young people, you know, getting into that point where at some point you're going you're gonna to find yourself maybe moving on. You're going to establish a family of your own. <laughs> plan to take care of your parents someday. And that may be just so far out in the future. Like, if there's something on my calendar that happens like next month, it might as well be six years from now. And, you know, and I'm just like, ah, whatever. We'll, think, we'll, we'll worry about tomorrow when it comes. Yes, but it is important for us to make sure that we have thought about these things. As a couple, when you get married, there are plenty of times where you'll just sit around, even, even before you have kids, you'll be like, how are we going to raise our kids? You don't have kids yet, but you're talking about it, right? Sitting across the table, you don't have anything else to do. You're just talking to each other. You're sitting there and you're thinking about, how are we going to live life moving forward? 
One of the conversations that I think is so important for you to have, for us all to have, what's going to happen when mom and dad get old? What's going to happen when grandma or grandpa gets older and is unable to take care of themselves? What is going to happen then? What are we going to do? Because I guarantee you, if you wait until that moment to have that conversation, it may very well be too late. You may very well not have been able to plan in an appropriate way to where you could step in and help the way that maybe you want to. So this is where, sort of for our young people even, this is an important lesson to think through. How can we follow the instructions of Jesus, follow the instructions of Paul, and honor our parents, but plan to do that, preparing ourselves to make that happen? Of course, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, please ignore the passage reference there. This verse is actually Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 where Paul says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone who need, in need. Okay, obviously Paul is talking to thieves there, but how does this apply to us as children? Well, the point here is that we work not to just lavish blessings upon ourselves and be selfish in the way that we acquire things. No, we work so that we can share with someone in need. And who better to share with than members of our own family who are in need? So we work, we plan, we budget. I know, you know, if, my, if dad were here today, he would talk about how important budgeting is right now. And of course, you don't need to have an a, a elaborate spreadsheet to be saved, but it is important for us all to understand that our jobs, our work, our role in this society that we live in and where we, where we go to our nine to five, the money we receive from that should be used to help others. And that's going to take some planning. That's going to take some budgeting. That's going to take some forethought on our part. And of course, as Paul would tell the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 11 to 15, that what we have can, share, can be shared with others, can supply in our abundance the needs of someone else. And when we wind up in need, they can share with us. And I love this passage, how, how really it talks about the relationship of a parent and a child. When we're kids, when we're babies, when we're, we're that little child sitting at the, at the desk there, we need everything. We have all the needs. And we receive all the abundance from our parents. And at some point, maybe that situation turns around. And at some point, maybe we need to be the ones who are planning to support and share in their needs. And it's going to take thought. It's going to take effort. It's going to take us sitting around and genuinely asking ourselves, what can I do now? Because here's the, here's the thing. And I've been in this mindset, and it, it is a challenge for me to deal with. Maybe you've been in this mindset. You ever eat ramen in college? You ever, like, barely have it? Right? Yeah? 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 You're, you're just kind of like pinching pennies. You know, if, maybe someday you'll splurge on a frozen pizza. Like, like you're just going through as little as you can, as little as you can possibly live on. Don't carry that mindset through your whole life. Because at some point, when you move out, when you, when you get a job, when you start making money, at some point, you will now have an abundance. And rather than just hoarding all of that and hanging on to it and, and, and refusing to help others with that, you need to at some point ask, is now the moment that I can turn around and help? 
And you need go no further than the widow and her mite to see the importance that Jesus places on somebody taking what they have and giving to others. And so this is a plan we need to make. This is an opportunity we need to have to just ask ourselves, is right now the time where I can do something really important and helpful for my family? And so then we get really to the last point here. This is a short lesson. This is not going to you know, blow anyone's minds, but this is just one of those lessons that for me I thought about over and over and over again, and it's like I, I could have preached a couple of different things, but this is the one that just, yeah, it's a little bit on the nose for me right now. But I think we need to hear these things because we have a responsibility as children and grandchildren to turn around and provide for the needs of our family. That is our job. That is our responsibility. Please turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5 because this verse, I know we go in 1 Timothy chapter 5 talking about widows and the church's responsibility toward widows. It's a very important chapter in understanding what the church does with its money, what the church is able to do for others and, and in the way that we help each other. But this verse, this passage is so important for us also to see that we have a responsibility toward our parents. We have the first responsibility to help them if need be. And so 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4, sorry, back up to verse 3, Paul says, honor widows who are truly widows. There's that word again, honor. Honor them. Well, how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, you just sit around and you say, well, the widows are so great. And you talk about them. And you pray about them. And you just, you hold, the, you, you write nice thoughts about them in your journal and things like that. That's not what honor is. Honor does not stop at just what you think and just how you feel. Honor goes to the next verse, verse 4. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first lo- learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Notice what he says there. Let them, the them there is referring to the the children or grandchildren. Let them first learn to show godliness to their own household to make some return to their parents. Basically what Paul is saying is you owe them. (laughs) You totally do. You totally owe them. They had to change your dirty diapers growing up. You owe them everything. I owe my parents everything. And I do, and we all do, when we see the importance of this relationship that we have. We show godliness to our own household, and we return the favor, the blessing, the providence, the supplying influence that they have. We return that to them. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. We have a responsibility and opportunity to provide for their needs. You know, in that great passage about anxiety, as Jesus would talk about in the Sermon on the Mount, how we just don't have to worry about food and clothing and those kinds of things. Does that mean magically that food and clothing just fall from the sky? When you're in need, when you need food, when you need clothing, if you're at the bottom of the barrel, does does God send like manna? and quail into your life just miraculously? No. How does God provide for his own? Through each other. Through that 2 Corinthians 8 sort of way in which we supply each other's needs and we go back and forth in that that relationship. And of course, if a widow here in this case, if a widow has no children to support her, then that's the church's job. And that's what he's really focused on here. 
But if there are people in a widow's life, or I will say a widower, as we're going to see in Matthew 15 in just a second, if there are people in someone's life who can help, relatives, children, grandchildren, who can help them, they should help. They should provide. That is their job. Verse 16, if you drop down there, if any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Of course, the church is going to take care of everyone who they are allowed to, everyone who, they, who has no other means of support. But if we have people in our lives who need to be taken care of, then that's our job. And that's what he's highlighting here in this passage. And of course, Matthew 15, as Jesus would rebuke the Pharisees, he was talking about their traditions, really, and how they held up their traditions, basically negating God's law. He says, but you say, and this is actually right after in the context, this is right after he quotes, yet again, that Exodus 20, verse 12 verse from the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, this is another good explanation of why this isn't just about widows, this is about people who are still alive. This is about fathers and mothers who are still alive, who need your help and support. If anyone tells his father or mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. What, what these people were doing, what the Pharisees were doing, was sweeping the needs of their families under the rug and excusing it by saying, well, I've just given all of that to God. And now, because of my tradition, because this traditional practice that they had of, of dedicating something as Corbin as Mark 7 would talk about it, they would then ex excuse themselves of the responsibility of taking care of their parents. But notice here what Jesus is saying. It's like a foregone conclusion that honoring your parents means giving to them. Right? Don't you see that connection? There is a material transfer of goods and services being done here that Jesus is saying, that's just expected of you. You absolutely should be doing that. And there's no command. He's just saying, this is the expectation. This is what honoring means. To honor someone means to help them, to give to them, to support them. And again, as kids, sometimes we view our parents as the ones who supported us. But we need to shift our thinking at some point down the road and remember that now we are responsible for supporting them. By the way, I just see this so many times in our own group, in our own number, people supporting their, their aging parents. I see this in my own family, people who are, who are spending every day at the nursing home going, you know, doing laundry, feeding them, sitting with them, you know, spending time with them. I see this all the time here in this group. We're so good at this. Let's not just do it, let's also talk about it. Let's also encourage it, let's also teach it. And of course, we show by example, we show the next generation our priority in these things by, by doing it. But I wanna give a message here just for, for those of you who are parents. And this is hard because we have a responsibility as children and grandchildren to do this. I think hopefully by, by the end of this lesson, you can look at these examples that we've given and you can see how important our parents, how important our grandparents need to be for us. 
it takes two to tango, as they say. And I want to encourage you who were part of the greatest generation, you know, who were like individualistic and going out there and, and you were making a way for yourself in your life. It is so hard to help somebody who only wants to do everything themselves. Let me say that one more time. It is so hard to help somebody who wants to do everything themselves. For as good and amazing and wonderful that you all have been as parents, if you are an older parent, as amazing that you, as you were in giving to your kids, you need to learn to receive. Are we tracking? You need to be good at receiving. Because it's our job to provide. It's our job to support. It's our job to step in and do the thing. What would it, what would it have looked like if Jesus, and in his last moments on the cross, says, woman, behold your son, behold your mother. And Mary was like, no, no, I'm good. I'll, I'll just go at it on my own. No. She knew how to receive. We need to know how to receive someday. We've been trained to just go it on our own. We've got our savings. We've got our retirement. We've got everything taken care of. Well, do you? Because at some point, someone's going to need to step in and help. And help is going to look different in every situation. Help is going to look different in every family. I totally get that. For some people, help means going to a place, a facility, where people can help you 24-7 because that's what you need. Maybe help looks like just checking in on them every now and again and making sure that things are okay. Maybe help, you know, the, the gamut of help giving to them, providing to them, giving them money and, and your time and attention, whatever it is, be a good receiver of that help. And kids, young people, middle-aged people, prioritize and plan to provide for your parents. I made it almost all the way. The tables will turn, though, for a lot of us. And I think it's so important for us to see the great blessing of the family. The family unit is not just a, a generator of kids that, like arrows in, in Psalm 127, shoots them out into the world and never sees them again. Really, I think we're throwing boomerangs out there as parents. Our kids are boomerangs. Sorry, you guys. We're, we're, we're throwing you out there, and at some point, we expect you all to come back. We expect you all to come back. And what a great blessing that God has given us in the family. And we see that, we see that not only in our own families, but in the family of the church. And we need, to, we need to know how wonderful it is to be a part of God's family. How wonderful it is to be a part of God's church, who when one of us goes through some kind of need, we all can step in and help. When we have some kind of abundance, we can support and supply those who need us. That is what the church is about. That is why God designed the family and the church in so many similar ways. And we need to see how wise, how correct God was and is in his design for this family and for this church. My prayer for all of us is that we would be a part of that family, that we would be an integral part of that family, that we would not be a part of that family that only takes, that only receives, but that we would be a part of that family that gives. 
So count the cost, because we are expecting you, if you decide to give your life to the Lord today, we are expecting you to give back. Just like we all give. And just like we all receive, we also expect you to receive as we help each other down that narrow road which leads to life. If you are not yet a Christian, please consider your life seriously. Consider your eternal home. Where will you spend the rest of your life after this life is over? Please come as we stand and sing.